It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Craig Hoffman back in the chair today, back home in D.C. after a great week in Indianapolis. Uh, Anthony Haney is, is back in his chair. And you need to tilt your camera up a little bit. Uh, yeah, we don't, we, we got, yep. Oh, hey, there's the top of Anthony's head. YouTube, you can say hello to Anthony Haney now. He's, he's, he's there. We're, we're back. We're, we're in, in the places that we're comfortable. Um, I, I have been in studio, Anthony, one time in like the last three weeks between vacations and, and all of the things. But, uh, happy to be back with you today, sir. Um, and then, and then we get two days off. I'm looking forward to those two days. I'm joking. I just got I back. Mean, I mean, I am, but, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. a weekend, of course. <laughs> Big weekend ahead for me. Uh, we'll talk about that later in the hour. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum is going to join us at 4.30 today. So excited for that. Our guest list is insane today. Um, some of it is stuff that I recorded yesterday before leaving Indianapolis there on Radio Row, including chats with Tom Pelissero, uh, NFL Network Insider, uh, my guy Q Myers from Vegas. I think the Raiders are like a – a dark horse that's not going to be dark for very long in terms of wanting to trade up. They love Jaden Daniels. We'll talk to Q about that. All right, talk to Q about that. You'll hear that at 6.30. Um, and then Andrew Siciliano and I chatted for a while on Radio Row into microphones for your entertainment. Uh, that interview is coming up at 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, Dave Johnson at 5.30 on a Wizards game day. But we have, Anthony, breaking news to start the show. Big, fancy breaking news the commanders are going to have somehow even more cap space. Uh, they are going to release, according to multiple reports, uh, not only Charles Leno, who you might have heard of, but it just dropped that uh, Logan Thomas is also on the chopping block. And I think this is pretty interesting at both positions. And, um, you know, Leno is, is scheduled to get hip surgery. Um, he's an older player. He, like, upgrading at left tackle is not all due respect to Charles, who like I think is serviceable, is not hard. It's not hard to upgrade over serviceable. It's not like um, it's not the same as trying to upgrade over like great. Um, so like the idea that you're trying to upgrade over a guy who's pretty good, like you can do that. It's just is going to cost you money. Well, they have a ton of money, so we'll see um, what this tackle class ultimately looks like. As other teams around the league are making cuts, and is there a veteran available? You know, do you? chase like a Jonah Williams or someone if, if the Bengals let him go um, I think I saw his name on one of the lists like there's a couple of guys floating around the league but then you also have uh, you know you have the the tackle class in the draft and I, I have questions about that that I'll answer in a second I think one of the other like Logan is interesting as well because tight end is also like a position of need like I, I think sometimes when you cut people for cap reasons you do it because you have an obvious starter it's like oh yeah well we can cut that guy because we save a ton of money and we know what we're going to do with that position anyway. Who's the starting tight end if the season started tomorrow? Like, Cole Turner? Armani Rogers coming back off the off the Achilles? John like, Bates. John Bates? <laughs> like, they obviously need a starting tight end. And I, I they have immense resources. Um, and there are guys in this draft that are available. But I think what you're – what this – team is telling you is a couple things um starting with this is going to be a very young football team next year um they are going to go with the youth movement which is good because they're you know recalibrate reboot rebuild whatever you want to call it like we know we're at the beginning of something and so having youth that's going to grow into it is good i also do think though and what is the what is the other common thing that ties these two players together besides age and price 
I tell you, think back last year, 2023 Commanders, Charles Leno, Logan Thomas. They uh, were the two players who what? Missed time. Not, missed, not just missed time. That, that to me goes in the age thing. Uh, think about their relationship with the team. Oh, they came in with Ron? Uh, I mean, they did, but they didn't get along very well with Eric Bietemi. Mm. And I'm not saying that this, like, validates EB all of a sudden, that, like, you know, actually these guys were soft all along. But, I mean, these are two vets that spoke out, and I respect them for it. I think they should. I mean, Logan Thomas and Cliff have a, have a relationship. Like, those guys go back to, to Arizona, um, you know, when Logan was there and, Cliff knows what he's about. Leno's a vet in the league who's, who's very well respected. Um, but I also think, it, and I'm not even saying that this valid or this um, unvalidates or invalidates their complaints last year, but I do think there is some small percentage of this that says like we're going in a new direction. Like we want different voices at the top, and sometimes you need that. Like in, in some ways. It's, uh, there, there are levels to this, so do not extrapolate the entirety of these two things uh, against each other. Take the parts that I'm taking out of them for a comparison's sake here. But, like, when the Wizards wanted to move on from Brad, right, part of the reason you have to move on from Beal is if you're starting over and he's still there, there's too much carryover. He, you don't have a new voice in the locker room. And even if they, these guys, I mean, look, if these guys were tremendous, like a plus leader voices that nobody had any doubt on, and they perfectly melded with um, what the, the, the commanders wanted to do under Peters and under Quinn, and they were less expensive or, and, or they produced more, they'd still be here. So this is all, it's all multifactorial. And the biggest factors don't get it twisted are age production costs combinations. They're older players who didn't produce very much or produce enough, certainly not enough for their salary position. But what you're going to have next year as a result of that is new voices. And they decided after talking with John Allen that they definitely wanted to keep John Allen, right? So that tells you something. I think John's voice is going to stay loud and will have more room to be heard because guys like Chase aren't there anymore. And I think sometimes Chase's voice may have drowned out John's a little bit. Um but I think, like, Terry's going to have a very significant leadership burden next year. And Terry's a guy that more often than not has been show him, not tell him. And then when he speaks up, people listen. Like, he's going to have to have a louder voice next year. And at this point in his career, like, and the salary point he's at, frankly, like, it's part of the reason you pay Terry McLaurin all that money. Um, that That's someone that you want people following. If more people had Terry's approach and attitude and work ethic – then I think they'd be a better football team. But I, I think that this tells you, you know, whether this was a reason they're cut or not, I don't know. I don't know. It has to be more complicated than they, they're expensive and old and didn't produce a lot. But two vets who definitely were, I think, voices of dissent in that locker room last year, which I don't even necessarily mean as a, as a knock. I do think that at times you need your players to speak up for your players. And going back at EB last year and some of the things that – we're going down, um, I think, needed to happen. But at the end of the day, like, you're going to have new voices next year. And, oh, by the way, you have $85 million now, at least. Um, the, the numbers on this uh, are, are in flux because we don't know whether these will be post-June or uh, post-June 1 or pre-June 1 cuts. 
I got to check Thomas's number in a second, but because um, that happened like literally right before the show, so I haven't pulled up the actual numbers yet. And if you have them, um, by all means, go ahead. But for for Leno, seven point two million if he's released immediately. Uh, if it's designated as a post June one cut, then it saves over eleven million. Um, the difference between the two is that if it's a post June one cut, you split the dead money. So there's about eight million dollars in dead cap money remaining on Leno's contract. If you take that all this year, that's how you get the seven million. You split that in half, and four million this year, four million next year, because you designated it as a post June first cut. Then it is the eleven million number with another four million dead cap on your books next year. And you have the numbers for uh, for LT. Yeah. So by releasing Logan Thomas, Washington uh, creates six point five million dollars in cap. And uh, only has to pay a uh, 1.7 in dead cap. So. Yeah, so he'll be a straight up cut. No, yeah. you're not. You're not splitting 1.7. You just no. take it all this year. Yeah, um, move on with your your life. And that's the thing. Like, it's at those numbers, it makes total sense to make these moves. Mm-hmm. But because they had the only reason it's like the teeniest little bit of surprise uh, is because why did I just turn into Jerry Seinfeld? I don't know what's happening. Uh, is because they have so much cap space. Like they don't need more cap space. So there is an element of this that they just don't really want the player either. And so they move on. Uh, that's the the big breaking news here on the Hoffman show. When we get back, quarterbacks talk this morning at the podium. Jaden Daniels, Drake May, Caleb Williams all talked about the potential uh, of playing in Washington, as did J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix. Uh, they all talked about their their uh, visits with the commanders. We learned a thing or two. I uh, got some more details on how those meetings went as well. We'll give that all to you next on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We're, we need to hydrate better, Anthony. Is that a Stanley? Ugh. It's not a Stanley. It's a it's an iron flask. Every Stanleys time I see, have the handles. Yeah, every time I see one of those kinds of cups, I think it's a Stanley. Yeah, you think I would have, you know, hydrated in the commercial break when I didn't have to talk on the radio for my living? Yeah. <sighs> but here we are. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, uh, former Jets general manager, Dolphins executive, um, super duper ridiculously smart guy. Uh, is going to join us coming up at the top, uh, or sorry, not at the top of the hour, Tom Pelissero at the top of the hour from NFL Network. Uh, but Tannenbaum joins us at the bottom of the hour, 4.30, here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, right now, though, sound from Indianapolis. As I, as I look at Anthony's screen behind him, you got dudes, dudes running out there. Underwear Olympics is underway. The interview portion, though, uh, has been going all week, so these guys have been in and around uh, talking to different teams. There's 15-minute interviews, and I actually learned something um, this week. I, I learned this from Nikki, actually, first, and then confirmed uh, some stuff. Uh, specific, like, I learned the general concept from Nikki. Uh, I didn't realize that coaches who were back at their facilities or wherever could zoom in to the combine meetings. Um, that is something that, that came out of the pandemic. So while the commander's coaching staff wasn't there, they were uh, actually involved in a lot of these meetings. Um, so I had thought they were going to leave that to Peters and the scouting staff, and then the coaches would kind of get their shot at guys as they came through on their 30 visits and, and on pro days. But no, uh, commanders, coaches were involved in these meetings via Zoom. Uh, confirmed that with, with the team. Um, so very 
cool um, kind of way to do that. I think that's actually the kind of the best for the coaches is they don't have to go and watch everything. They don't have to watch all these drills for these position groups that they're not involved in. You don't have a bunch of people flying in and out. Like coaches can work on the stuff they got to deal with back in Ashburn. And then when it's time for a meeting, you pop on the zoom and everything's recorded and uh, you get guys on the board and, and the whole thing. So um, very, very, uh, I think smart process by Washington not to send people in person uh, or all the coaches in person, but you have the scouts there and, and obviously Peter's in the room as a chance to like kind of get that interpersonal interaction. I will also say this real quick before we hear from the quarterbacks at the podiums this morning. Um, I know this was a big story yesterday and actually, Ant, I'm curious, what did Doc have to say about Harris being in the, uh, in the meetings? I feel like Doc, especially the way that Schefter originally presented the story probably wasn't super thrilled about it, but I think I think we've gotten a little bit more clarity since, but what did Doc have to say about it? Yeah, so if you read Adam Schefter's original reporting, it says you know that Josh Josh Harris partook in the uh, the meetings and things of that nature, and upon like first glance at that, Doc didn't necessarily like it and thought you know maybe Josh Harris should have chosen to go to the next one, not the very first one, because again he didn't want it to be like the Eric Bieniemy uh, treatment. Uh, sort of kind of where, you know, where he was in um, Kansas City, whether or not he was calling the plays or if he was, you know, just on the sideline kind of thing. And he wanted uh, just Adam Peters to have full control, full autonomy, uh, full control of the room as opposed to, you know, having some pressure there. So that was upon first glance. But after, you know, additional reporting from like Sam 48 and things of that nature, uh, he didn't necessarily mind it, um, especially if he was just, you know, essentially a fly on the wall like in the room. Yeah, totally. And honestly, I don't even mind if he partook, um, especially in the quarterback ones. Um, and I think this, this is the most important point on Harris being involved. We are all judging things still because it was 25 years. And like for me, my entire career in Washington on the Dan Snyder scale. And the problem with Dan and many other owners in sports is they don't know what they're doing or are generally not even that that smart. Like, I don't think Dan Snyder is a smart person. Like, I know that's that's just, like, blunt and almost mean, but, like, that dude doesn't deserve to have people be nice to him. I don't think Dan Snyder is a very smart person. So I don't want him involved. I think Josh Harris is a really smart person. So why wouldn't you want a smart person involved? And so sometimes the the merits of something aren't just about is it right or wrong in general on its face? It's like, well, who's doing it? Like, who's, hey, someone who hasn't run a 100 meter is running the anchor leg for the U.S. in the 4 by 100 at the Olympics. What an idiot. Oh, it's the 200 meter world record holder? Oh, okay, that's fine. Like, just because you don't run the 100 doesn't mean you can't be part of the 4 by one relay, right? And for Josh Harris, like, do I want Josh Harris asking the quarterback to be Hey, what did you see against this coverage? No. Um, and if he wants to ask it, I don't care. I don't want Josh Harris's evaluation. He doesn't have to prove that he knows about reading coverages. But like Josh Harris's thoughts on leadership, I'm interested in potential question and answer in his thoughts. Like I would run some of these interviews by Josh Harris and his BS detector. That's probably pretty high. Like I, I think you have to use your assets. And Josh Harris, unlike the previous owner, is an asset. So that's something that I think we should all remember when we when we talk about ownership stuff these days. That said. I do agree kind of on, on some level with Doc's original premise of like, 
let Peters control the room? Like how, how does everyone else's behavior in the room change because the owner's there? And I think in an ideal world, it doesn't because Josh isn't intimidating and he's hired people who are smart and not scared and they do their job and you know, you do the right things in front of the boss. Why would you do the, not the wrong thing? Cause if he's not there. So like, but reality, you get a little tenser, you get a little tighter, that stress can cause you to not perform as well. So like, I think there, there are kind of things on both sides. Um, but generally speaking, I think that story got way overblown and people, um, actually I don't even know how much of a freak out there was, but like the people who were like, Oh my God, like there's nothing to worry out about there. Um, plus everyone seemed to have fun in their interviews with the commanders. Um, we'll start with JJ McCarthy, the Michigan quarterback, um, who it was actually his first interview of, of the combine, uh, was with Washington. So he was, he was pretty nervous when he got in there. What stood out about your meeting with Washington? say just the overall energy you know I, it was my first one so i was like super nervous i'm not gonna lie and uh sweating a little bit and you know coach quinn was just awesome i got to talk to uh, mr peters right before the meeting and you know just a great vibe very welcoming and you know going through the clips and everything and coach cliff kingsbury was just like hey if you get a matchup out here and you really like it could you just you know switch it to go on the outside and also I'm like I wish just little stuff like that and uh you know it was just great to meet them great to you know talk ball with them and I had a lot of fun doing it um I do feel like we got the first hit of a Cliff Kingsbury offense there Anthony a bomb a go, a go ball yeah hey you got that one-on-one on the outside uh-huh. can you can you check that because we can hey Terry go deep <laughs> I think that's going to be a part of the that. That's more. JJ McCarthy just accidentally said more about the Commanders' offense than Cliff Kingsbury did at his opening press conference. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think you probably could have gotten out of the tape of watching watching old. Uh, I mean, Cliff loves a three by one, and if it's if he gets if he gets man that one that three by one checks to a, a go and on that one side if it's zone you just work the trip side. Hey now, let's make this easy for the quarterback. Um, anyway, the point is, uh, JJ McCarthy had, had a good time. Um, and you see with, with the way he talks, um, why, why his stock is rising, like why people get along with him. Um, and I think another thing that I like about McCarthy is like, he's taken NFL level coaching from Harbaugh, um, and, and, and thrived with it. So I'm sure he's going to continue to rise up the boards. And obviously you heard all throughout the week, there's some people that think McCarthy is closer to Daniels, uh, and then, uh, Daniels is to May. Obviously, there's others that vehemently disagree with that, but interesting to watch. Uh, other quarterbacks who talked to Washington included LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. He was asked uh, earlier today uh, at the podium by the Assembled Press, by the way, all of these clips, uh, thanks to the video uh, taken by Nikki Javala, which is on her Twitter page. If you want all of Nikki's coverage, she was great when she joined us earlier in the week. But Nikki's still out there in Indy as the quarterbacks talk, and here was Jaden Daniels when asked about his meeting with the commanders. It was just how cool uh, the whole staff was. Obviously, uh, Dan Quinn, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, all those type of guys. I was to be able to sit in there and really just get to know people. Uh, you know, you, you can see them on TV, see everybody coaching uh, behind the scenes. So be able to go on there and just have a, a conversation with them. That's the coolest part for me. I think that's the kind of the vibe overall is you get you get the staff mentioned a lot that and again DQ um, I think at this point yeah DQ at this point is back home I'm trying to remember when these meetings were and if Dan was still there through them because the timelines are super super wonky in terms of 
what day guys go to medicals and what day the interviews are and then what day they work out. I can't, I can't keep it straight. Um, but they're DQ obviously involved in any of these quarterback interviews. Cliff, um, you hear Tavita Pritchard's name and some of the other answers. Uh, you'll hear from Drake May in a second. He mentions Tavita. So, like, you have the, the guys you expect in the room and, and some interaction depending on who knows who, who knows what. Um, like, I'm guessing David Blau probably is not saying a lot. I know Brian Johnson seems to perhaps be a little bit more in the background, but I'm sure in other interviews maybe he's a little bit more front and center if he's got a relationship with the guy um but the general excitement i mean these prospects aren't going to get up at the podium and be like yeah that guy sucked but they might be like a little bit more nondescript like oh it was a good meeting you know we got a lot of them and uh you know i'm i'd be happy to get drafted there whatever you know but instead there's like a real enthusiasm i think from a lot of these guys including uh unc quarterback and and i would say current betting favorite uh to to be the number two overall pick for washington drake may Coach Quinn, um, it was great. You know, kind of, you know, kind of clicked right off the bat. Um, he's a great, you know, great guy and um, you know, great coach. Shoot, the stuff he's got defensively with the Cowboys over the past year has been pretty special. Um, so meeting in there, and um, you know, Coach, um, you know, Coach Coach uh, recruited me in high school from Stanford, so I got to know him a little bit. And uh, you know, Coach Kingsbury knows, you know, my office winner from college, so we got a lot of connections. A lot of connections. See, we do it. Drake, Drake, make it host this show. Now, see, when they, they hired this guy and this guy, and it's connected. They're, they're going to definitely draft. And, but I don't know because I know Caleb down, down there at Podium 17. Um, you know, he, he played with Cliff last year. And, um, yeah. But it is, it is kind of a reminder that this football world is small. And, like, a lot of people know a lot of people. And so what that is good for, for the commanders is, like, surface level, you have some personal relationships. Uh, secondary level – you have, uh, you know, other people to reach out to to be like, all right, what was it like day to day to work with this guy? And, and if you have good relationships with those coaches, you get honest answers. They're not just going to butter up their guys. Um, they're they're going to be honest with you. And um, I also think that's another reason why Drake May is is well liked because um, he's a guy that that worked really hard and and did all the things he's supposed to do. Not that Jaden didn't. Not that Caleb didn't. Um, it just it, a lot of I, I think the the thing that I come away with from the week and is. You know, it really is going to come back to the tape for a lot of these guys. And um, the All-22 is a lot kinder to, to Drake and Caleb than it is to Jaden, um, which is why I think the big, the biggest factor that, that the media narrative is shifting towards May. Um, because I think a lot of the other stuff, they all check the boxes. Obviously, McCarthy and Daniels don't necessarily check the height weight boxes, uh, specifically the weight box, which is important. Um which is something we can get into a little later in the show. I actually got a really good question and a really good answer. Uh, someone emailed me and was like, why does this matter so much? Like, why is this size? And I, so I asked uh, Nate Tice about it uh, in, a, in a podcast that people will hear Monday on Take Command, and he gave an incredible answer. Um, so we can talk about that a little later in the show. But and lo and behold, like, the, the biggest thing is, like, a lot of these guys from the character standpoint check a lot of these boxes. So it's going to come down to, like, what the tape says. And uh, tape seems to say Caleb Williams is pretty damn good. Uh, Drake May is really damn good. Jaden Daniels is pretty good. J.J. McCarthy, he, he's not bad. Uh, so we'll see how this process continues to evolve over the next couple of weeks. Some, someone who's been through it multiple times as an executive, Mike Tannenbaum, former NFL Executive of the Year, now an analyst with ESPN, joins us next live from Indy on The Hoffman Show. It's The Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming on YouTube at the Team 980 back in D.C. Uh, after a couple days in Indianapolis, but happy to go to the phones and bring in someone who is still there and a veteran of many NFL combines. It is Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Mike, welcome back to the show. Good to be with you. 
So I wanted to get your uh, your uh, expertise and, and opinion on a topic that emerged for me when I was out in Indianapolis this week, and that is how the commanders ultimately build their quarterback room. Obviously, there's the pick that we presume they make at number two or whatever they do with that. And then there's there's Sam Howell, who's already there. When you think of the quarterback rooms that you built, and you obviously drafted Mark Sanchez and had to build a, a room around a high draft pick, young quarterback in New York, amongst the other stops that you had in your NFL career, what goes into a good quarterback room, and what do you think Adam Peters is considering for that room? Yeah, you know, obviously you want to have the requisite depth. I think we saw 66 different quarterbacks start a game last year. So, you know, I thought Sam Howell did some nice things. Look, he's a young quarterback, like, you know, a lot of them, like there were some, you know, inconsistent moments, but um, you, you want to have depth at that position now. And um, I'm sure they certainly will, you know, by the time we get to the regular season. So with that said, though, would you be considering trading Sam, not because he's not a good player, as you just said, like he did some good things. I think if he's your backup, you feel good about that. But of having a more veteran presence with J- Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whoever it is, they ultimately drafted that position. Yeah, you know, um, certainly you, you never would rule out anything, but um, when you have a quarterback, you know, like Sam, that's like shown some real meaningful upside and, and they're under contract for three years, like um, that's certainly a valuable player to have. So while you would never rule it out, like I don't think you have too many uh, young quarterbacks. Uh, and then if you were another team, would you be considering calling Washington and trying to make kind of this pitch of like, hey, we might need some, some depth. You might be going aside a veteran. Like what, what would you be willing to trade if you're another team for Sam Howell? What do you think that market looks like? Yeah, not, not, I don't think it's a ton. Unless, you know, there's a team that says, hey, we're going to give you a you know, second round pick and we think we can win a championship, you know, with Sam. I, I don't know if they're going to get the value in, in, you know, in return. And that's why I'd be surprised. Um, if he wasn't with them, you know, by opening day. All right, Mike Tannenbaum is with us, ESPN NFL front office insider. Um, another story that emerged uh, later in the week uh, from your colleague Adam Schefter is that uh, Commander's owner Josh Harris is sitting in on some of the meetings. Now, uh, I, I tend to think this isn't that big of a deal. I don't think he's going to be meddling or trying to make picks in the way that perhaps the last owner did here. But what's your experience been with different owners and kind of their participation in the draft process? Yeah, I, I always like it. You know, I think it says a lot about you know Josh Harris's commitment. Like you said, you know, it's just a one one or two days in, in what's a literally an eleven month year pro, uh, process. Like obviously around the combine and the draft, there's a lot more uh, eyes put on it. But um, I think it's great that he's out here making the effort, and uh, it's obviously an important decision. But um, you know, knowing him by his reputation, I'm sure he'll let you know the appropriate people make the decision at the appropriate time. What? Like, how did you use, for lack of a better word, your owners on football stuff? Because, like, a guy like Josh Harris has great professional experience. He's been around leaders of all kinds. Like, do you want their opinion on anything other than signing off and saying, like, yes, Mike, you're doing a great job if you're the general manager um, in that vote of confidence? Like, how do, how do you use an owner as a, as a front office executive? Yeah, it's a great check and balance, you know, just in terms of, uh, you know, like, sometimes, like, they'll ask questions that you didn't think of, and then you try to, you know, ask more questions. and like it's just a great part of the process because they could see things that maybe like you didn't see. And um, I, I always liked it when, you know, Steve Ross, Wade Johnson, whoever was, you know, around and it's just a, another set of eyes and somebody that has a lot of experience and success. And um, to me, again, like I, I like to have them, you know, I try to pull those guys in closer um, as you go through the process. 
All right, back to the the players themselves. How how do you rank these top? I, I came out of the week thinking that we almost have to say top four quarterbacks now. It feels like for a lot of people, uh, McCarthy is, is kind of bunching up on the back end, and maybe that's because Daniels is falling off. But there's other people that have Daniels really high, McCarthy off. Where, how do you kind of rank this top group of quarterbacks tier wise? Yeah, I think we're this is 2004 all over again. I think those top quarterbacks have a chance to all be good going back to. Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger. I think all three from uh, Jaden Daniels, and Caleb Williams, Drake May, I think they all have a chance to be really good. Um, they all have their strengths. I think you look at May, his size, to me, reminds me a little bit of you know Justin Herbert. Jaden Daniels has gone up 20% in his completion percentage in two years, and uh, I think he's going to be a great pro. And obviously Caleb Williams, um, you know, the presumptive number one pick is also a guy that has a great ceiling as well. So um, I think all three actually have a chance to have outstanding careers. How do you try to evaluate a guy like Daniels? And Bo Nix falls into this camp on, a, on kind of a lower grade as well. But guys who did not start particularly well in college stay in, and they're both their cases, a long time. Nix started 61 college games. And then and then ultimately, like, finish really strong. And so how do you try to make sense of the progression over the years uh, for especially an older college player? Yeah, you know, the tape says the floor, character says the ceiling, and I think, you know, it's a situation where I really thought, um, you know, I look at Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels, like, Jaden Daniels gone up 20% in his completion percentage. That shows great character. So, to me, I, I, I like, it, it's it's very encouraging. Um, it says a lot about, like, again, like, their attention to detail and how much they're working out their craft. So, uh, improvement is, uh, is is definitely a good sign. Uh, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider with us just for another minute or two here on the Hoffman Show. So if you're Washington, you're sitting at two. Chicago takes Caleb Williams at one. What would you do at two? Obviously, at this point in the process in early March, there's still plenty of evaluating to do. But as of now, what would be your lean? Yeah, it's early here. So, again, uh, you know, for me, I I, I like both Bain Daniels. Like I have said, you know, just based on, um, you know, Drake Mays, like, build you know i probably give him a slight lean but you know, i certainly could be talking to uh Jaden daniels as well i think both again are gonna be outstanding pros so uh a lot more evaluation to do a long way to go here can you give our listeners a little bit of insight into what that means at this point because i, I i'm sure there are some people listening going like what do you mean there's more evaluation the games ended a month and a half ago two months ago for some of these guys like what more is there to evaluate so so can you give uh, our listeners some insight into that process of what happens between now the combine and the nfl draft where that evaluation is ongoing yeah you know the time you spend with them individual workouts like candidly uh, over the years we eliminated players after our individual workouts because of like their lack of preparation you know it was a job interview and if they weren't prepared for that and um, we're going to go give them eight figures a year, um, you know, we just figured like they were going to be a great fit for us. So um, a lot more work's going to be done on these players and those individual meetings and workouts and uh, getting them on the board is going to be really important. And uh, sometimes they're useful to uh, break a pack. Uh, when you get those guys on the board, is that like, is that the head coach? Is that the the coordinator? Like, because I, I think of yep. this Washington offense right now, and Cliff Kingsbury seems to be looking to build it. Um, it's not necessarily going to be what he's run in the past. So I guess Cliff just kind of gets them on the board. And, and what are those meetings like? Yeah, that's exactly right. They may send out a playbook a couple of days ahead of time and say, "Hey, oh, wow. you know, we're gonna, okay. we're gonna go." So, yeah, so you know, every team does it a little bit differently. But um, knowing Cliff Kingsbury the way I do, uh, he was a player. Uh, for us in New York and, you know, just in Dan Quinn and Adam Peters, like they will be very thorough in their process and 
however it you know works out for them, I'm sure they'll get the player that they're very comfortable with. All right, so let me ask you this is the last question then, since you do know Cliff. Um, he said in his, his opening press conference that he's not going, like he wouldn't call what he's going to run uh, here air raid anymore. Like, what does that mean to you as a guy who knows him and, and knows obviously that the air raid is, is kind of how he grew up in football? Like, what do you think this, this 2024 commander's offense is going to look like? Yeah, I just think he's a, a life learner and somebody that he always is trying to get better. You know, spent a year at USC and I think he'll probably adopt some of their concepts as well. So um, I think it will have some, you know, four wides in them that, you know, maybe harvest core, but I think it evolves over time. Um, I think they'll have a meaningful run game and, um, you know, it'll continue to evolve. And, you know, that's kind of who Cliff is, you know, always trying to get better, a very competitive guy. And uh, I, I'm sure they'll build a, a really successful and productive offense there. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN, NFL front office insider. Know you're very busy out there. Appreciate a little time on the phone here today, Mike. Thank you. Okay, thank you. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Again, the breaking news within the last hour and a half or so, commanders have cut or are planning to cut Charles Leno and Logan Thomas before the start of the league year. That will save them uh, about $13 million total in cap space, six and change. Uh, I guess it's closer to 14, six and change on Thomas. Uh, 7.2-ish on Leno, uh, presuming that they do those both as regular pre-June 1st cuts. Um, Leno, you could go uh, post-June 1st and get yourself even more cap savings this year, but like that involves taking on dead money next year. I don't, I don't know why you do that when you have more cap space than anyone else in the NFL. Uh, this could put them as high as like $85 million in cap space minus the $9 million in rookie salaries they're currently slotted. Um, and that's something I've been thinking about a little bit too, Anthony, like, especially with this Leno move, I think the temptation to trade back into the first round is really high now for a tackle. Like, why would you not? And which means you have to pay for two first round picks, but okay, fine. Um, like, why would you not package 40 or 36 and a fifth? Um, or like next year second. That's probably what it would take. I don't know what the, I have to look at the the. Let me see if I can find a Jimmy Johnson draft chart simulator real quick. Jimmy Johnson draft chart simulator calculator. Sure, that's fine. If I'm the Washington Commanders and I want to do, let's see. Um, oh man, this is a, this is a whole thing. If I want to do the 36th pick, how do I do this? Anthony, I'm not smart enough for the simulator. You do. Do you need help? I clearly. Because I'm on here as well and I'm struggling just like you. Oh, it's not that bad. It's actually not that bad. You could do a second and a third this year. So if you did, because it's got like the, the value of each pick. So let's say you wanted to get to 20, 24 or 23. You have Houston. That's 760 points on the chart. Uh, it's 540 for the 36 pick. So then you need to add, what, 220 points? I'm having to do this math mentally, but like that's not, that's not terrible. Um, and then you take Washington's 
Uh, da, 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 da. Where is Washington? 96. So you do like... If you did if you did forty and uh and sixty seven for twenty three, that roughly works. Fine. That don't sound too bad to me. If you get a first round left tackle yeah. and you think is like a stud for the next ten years. Yep. I don't know that you're getting that at twenty three, but you could get a really good starter. Yeah. And guess what they need? Two really good starters. So um, I definitely think that's a possibility uh, for them. Um, so that's the, that's the football uh, and kind of the latest news there. Obviously, keep you updated. Coming up at the top of the hour, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network will join us. Uh, NFL Combine coverage ongoing on NFL Network. Uh, but, Anthony, hydration I'm doing. Very important. Carb loading has begun. Uh-oh. We've been talking about this high rocks race that I'm doing. Yes, sir. Uh, in early March for, for weeks, for months. It's here this weekend. It's here. Are you are you nervous? Are you anxious? Um not really. Okay. I'm gonna be honest, Ant. I feel pretty prepared. Like the hay is in the barn. We did the work. We trained smart. Did a lot of running. Did a lot of a lot of lifting. Did a lot of went to the pain cave a lot. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of how the, the nature of this event. So for those that haven't heard us talk about this, um, High Rocks, it's at the D.C. Convention Center this weekend. Uh, you can go watch if you, if you like. Uh, it is 1,000 meter, uh, a 1,000-meter run uh, followed by a station. And then you repeat that eight times. And the station changes. The 1,000-meter run doesn't. So it's a total of 8K of running, which is about five miles um, in total. And then it's a 1,000-meter skier, a sled push, a sled pull, uh, 80 meters of burpee broad jumps, 1,000-meter uh, row, farmer's carry for 200 meters. Uh, the Oh, and then uh, we got how many lunges? 100 meters of walking lunges and then 100 wall balls. And you do a 1,000-meter run in between all of those. I think I got two of those stations backwards, but it's fine. They'll be numbered. I know where, I'll know where to go. Uh, wifey and I are doing doubles, so we're splitting all of the stations. Uh, the running we have to do together, so each of us are running uh, it's, it's going to be a lot. My body is going to hurt on Sunday. It's probably going to hurt on Monday and Tuesday too, but we're ready. We're ready. Craig, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Um, I wish I could be there. What are you doing this weekend? High school basketball. Mm. Good games this weekend? Uh... Still remains to be seen. Uh, we got some playoff games tonight that will affect tomorrow. So, mm. yeah. Who's playing tonight? This is all the Capitol Hoop stuff? Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to any games tonight. But I know – I think Largo's supposed to be in action. Um, who was it? Gwen Park was in action last night. Crazy game. Um, who else? There's just a ton of games. And then you got the Maryland uh, private, private school uh, tournament starting up as well. Um, that one actually starts tomorrow. Um, so yes, it's going to be a lot of basketball over the next week, and uh, yeah, it, it gets a little hectic. You know, I'm covering more than one to two games. I got to edit highlights, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of work this weekend. But you know, I'm looking forward to it because I, I hadn't really covered that many games this year. So oh, that'll be fun. I'm paying. Fun. My, I'm paying it in on the back end. 
I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, how much of the combine you think you'll watch this weekend? So I do want to watch the quarterbacks. Uh, I do. I want to. Wa- I actually want to watch quite a bit of it. Uh, but I just don't know timing wise, like how much I'll be able to. Yeah, whatever my my schedule permits, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's the good thing is if I'm just sitting there dead tomorrow afternoon, I can sit back on the couch and be like, look at these guys who could still be athletic. I was athletic this morning, and now I can't feel my legs. <laughs> uh, and then and then uh, Sunday you got more combine action. Yep. Uh, quarterbacks throw Saturday night, right? I think Sunday. So. I think it's one of those two. I think it's Saturday. Sunday morning we got we got Formula One back. I'm pumped about that. Guess mm-hmm. we're going we're going racing in Bahrain. Uh, so fun weekend ahead for sure. Uh, and then we'll convene back here on Monday. We do know uh, with all this this movement on the salary cap stuff, J.I. Halsell is going to join us on Monday. Um, you know, Phillips probably will join us uh, for at least one more week on a Monday with so much stuff happening. Uh, and then the crazy thing is, uh, and a week from the, that like a week from this Monday, the following Monday, I think that's when free agency opens. Like the the uh, the tampering period, which oh, yep. is basically when the stuff happens. Yeah. So, free agency one. Yeah, like we got one week of quote unquote dead time to figure out next week, and then bang, free agency. And isn't the start of next week uh, where the the window to franchise player? I think it ends. Like well, it all coincides fifth. with the league year. Yeah. So that's that's all. So that's why you're getting players cut now. Yep. Um, you got franchise tags happening now. All that stuff is is coinciding with the start of the league year coming up. Uh, I think it's the 13th. Uh, the, but the tampering period starts the 11th. An idea they stole from the NBA, which to me is very stupid. Um, but then again, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure there's a reason that the very smart people that run these leagues do it. And I'm just a silly sports talk radio host who doesn't know what that reason is. All right, we get back here on the Hoffman Show. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. Uh, we sat down on Radio Row yesterday morning in Indianapolis. You'll hear that conversation next. <laughs> 